Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Amazing Race Rewind podcast. My name is Andrew, and with me here is Jill. Jill, how are you doing? I am doing very well. Thank you. We are back with season one, episode two. I thought that this was quite a, a good episode. I enjoyed it quite a lot. Jill, what did you think overall of the episode? Yeah, it was definitely definitely more challenges, which is what I like to see. It makes it a bit more yeah. interesting. A lot happened. A lot more happened. It felt like mm-hmm. it felt like a very long episode. It did feel very long, and it, there was a lot more good reality TV moments. We had some fights. There was a lot of conflict. One team went to the completely wrong place. We saw some of the first alliances in a Amazing Race history, and as always proves true with an alliance, it never lasts. So this one lasted approximately rise... ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah, the rise and downfall of an alliance in the span of a couple minutes. But that's how it goes. Yeah. Okay, so let's just jump right in, I guess. So first, little factoid or whatever. I'm sure, I don't know if you saw this, but I saw this was on the Wikipedia page, that this episode was set to air September 12th, 2001. But due to the 9-11 attacks and the, the coverage, it didn't air until September 19th. So it was delayed roughly a week. And there was question that if the show would even continue to air after this, because from what I read, because I was not alive at this time, just to preface this, they didn't know how a show would do about like international travel. And there were questions if people would get on a plane and travel internationally after the 9-11 attacks. Interesting. And uh, yeah, Phil Kogan said in an interview that he thought that they were going to be canceled and people wouldn't care about a reality TV show after that devastation. And also, uh, jumping ahead, this was the time where they were casting for season two and they had like several teams pull out due to feelings of uneasiness about international travel. Several teams lined up for their season two cast. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So to start off with the episode... We start with teams trying to look for a Songway museum. So we do learn that teams start the next like exactly 12 hours from when they check into the pit stop. So Rob and Brennan, who were first, they got in at 11.23 a.m., which I thought was incredibly early. Like they finished the last leg at 11.23. And then, yeah. so they started the next leg at 11.23 p.m. I, I mean, I guess when you look at it, most of the teams were starting in between the midnight to you know, maybe 7 a.m. range. Yeah. But I do think it actually proved them a bit of a disadvantage, especially considering the place they're looking for is within the village, even though they didn't realize that. However, if it had been daylight, I feel like it would have been a lot easier for them to go around and find the, the museum. Yeah, because the trick is that there aren't any signs or anything, despite... Some people claiming that they saw signs, um, but you had to talk to the locals to figure out where it was. And obviously at like 3 a.m. when all these teams were starting, there weren't any locals outside. So I think that was a disadvantage. I like to think that in that scenario, considering it's called the Songway Museum, I would think, oh, it must be within the village. You know, we're not going to have to drive very far. Because I think even the clue said you are well acquainted with the village. Yes. Yeah. I was a little surprised that so many teams just right from the get go were thinking, okay, we got to drive. Yeah. And they were like, where are you driving to? It's just, it was so aimless. They just got in the cars and went. I think that's the thing. It's what I've learned from watching The Amazing Race is they're never going to completely throw you off direction wise. Like if, if they're giving you a vague clue, it should be nearby. Yeah, you would think so. So anyway, they gave us all the times that teams started, which I really liked. The first team, yeah, Rob and Brennan started at 11.23 p.m. And then the last team was Nancy and Emily. They started at 7.26 a.m. So there was an eight-hour difference between when the first team started and the last team started. And I'm thinking, I think I would do better starting at 7 a.m. 
Exactly. Rather than 11.37 or 11.23 p.m. Because first of all, you get like a good night's sleep. If you're at the pit stop at 11.23 a.m., you're going to sleep during the day. I feel like it would just be so difficult to sleep, especially if there was all the B-roll footage of them all hanging out during the mm. night or whatever. Yeah. So chances are people didn't, weren't getting a lot of sleep. This is when we first learn about the alliance. So the alliance is... The three alliance between Team Guido, the lawyers, and Frank and Margareta? Margarita. Margarita. Frank and Margarita, yes. So yeah, we, this alliance lasts for like a whole 15 minutes of the episode. So they take off in search of Songway Museum and... They get right into the cars. They get right into the cars because Margarita claims that she thinks she saw a sign, although there are no signs. So she's trying to like lead them and look for a sign. That's a lot of, I mean, nothing against her or anything, but personally, I would not, even if I feel like I had an inkling, if you're leading a pack of six people, I don't think I would be comfortable enough to say, oh guys, I know where it is, or I may have a general idea because there's so much onus on you. Mm. Well, yeah. And then when they don't find a sign or anything, Frank accuses her of, of trying to lead the other teams astray and tricking them, but that doesn't make any sense. Frank just bothers me so much. It's like, why are you getting so mad at her for thinking that she's saw a sign like why would she lie about that and then also the way that he like looks at her when when they're in the car it really grinded my gears did you see the way she was, he was looking at her it was like i'm gonna make you feel like an idiot i don't remember that okay well it really bothered me so yeah then they eventually piece together that it's within the songway village so they have to all go back to songway village what was it about a hundred yards from where they yeah or something i don't know exactly what that is in meters but yeah but Dave and Margareta, being the geniuses that they are, they ask the locals straight away where the Songway Museum is, and they tell them. So, Although that does seem to be an, an advantage starting at 6.30 a.m. when people have woken up. People are awake. To, yeah. yeah, starting at 3 a.m. when you just wander around aimlessly in the dark. And nobody's awake. Okay, so should we talk about the detour then? I think we should go for the detour, yeah. So we have <laughs> our second fail of a detour, because we had the one last Fail episode. Fail of the detour. Yeah, because the with the last episode, they everybody just chose the, the one option. And with this episode, everybody also chose the one option. I really don't understand this detour either because the task didn't seem to be particularly difficult. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be much harder to photograph three animals here yeah. than, you know, to go to the other one. But it seemed very easy. There didn't seem to be any degree of difficulty. Yeah, nobody had issues. And I feel like if you're giving people a choice between near or far, people are going to cho- choose the near one. See, my first instinct was actually, oh, well, go to the far one because they made it sound like it was very difficult to photograph right. these three animals. I probably would have really pushed to go to the further one. So they could go 20 kilometers away and photograph three hard-to-find animals from a list of five, which included a, a giraffe, impala, water buffalo, zebra, or a rhino. Or they could go to a park in Botswana, which was 110 kilometers away, and just photograph one easy-to-find elephant. For the for the audience reference, when Andrew said hard-to-find, oh. he did do air quotations. Yes. So yes, this detour had some fun moments. Yes, I was going to bring bring that up because what was it? Nancy and Emily. Nancy just got out of the car and there was a rhino right there. Oh my God. Yeah. My anxiety was through the roof. And Emily was just yelling at her to come back to the car. But that's that's what I would be doing if my mom was trying to take a photo of a rhino that was five meters away. And then like the film isn't working. So her, she's just telling her to get back in the car. And then Nancy just straight up goes, no. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh my God. 
terrified um, me. Yeah. And I feel like a challenge because, well, this is another little time capsule where they have a, they're using like Polaroid cameras to take these pictures. This is where the Canadian version would have like a little phone sponsorship or something to take high quality photos. This was also in 2001 though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, and I think this is a good point to bring it up because right from the bat, what are their names? Pat and Brenda, is that correct? They somehow yeah. have their hands on a fast forward. I didn't quite understand that. Were they just given one right off the bat? No, so I think when you first start the leg, you get your clue or whatever, and then within that is the fast forward. So I think everybody had the choice. So this is what I'm also not understanding. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe there was a fast forward in every episode of the Canadian version and later American versions, correct? See, yeah, I don't. I think the fast forward got cut. Like, I don't think they have them at all anymore. Like in the latest Canadian they, season, they didn't sparse. have any fast forwards, Oh, as far as I know. Interesting. Yeah. Because it, it felt very odd because right off the bat, instantly, Pat and Brenda are doing something different and they're just going for this fast forward. And I was surprised that nobody else went for it. Yes. We also learn that you can only take one fast forward for the entire time of the race. So, I mean, the obvious line of thought for strategy is to like save the fast forward for later in the leg. I mean, for later in the season when there are less teams, so it could be more beneficial. But I guess if you are, I mean, I don't quite remember what position Pat and Brenda are in, but if you're starting further behind, you want to push yourself up a little further to avoid the chance of elimination. Yes. Yeah. They were starting in fifth. I feel like if you're in top, even fifth, I would feel pretty comfortable not wanting to use one. Yeah. And also with this, because we didn't know before that you can only take one. I thought this was an interesting choice from Brennan and Rob last episode to take it on the very first leg. It, it was, but I mean, it's put them in a very good position this thus far. I guess so, yeah, you want to start out ahead so you can keep, keep that momentum, there. yeah. They're fast forward, they have to go whitewater rafting on the Zambezi Which, River. Which again, it didn't seem like a very difficult task. It was more of this experience. Yes. I, I just feel like the tasks haven't been very challenging to a certain degree yeah. to this point. Yeah, I think more of the challenge was finding the, what was it called, like the Boondu activities or whatever it's called. Getting to the location. Getting to the location is the challenge. And then it's just this experience. And you mentioned last time that the music was very Pirates of the Caribbean. During this whitewater rafting scene, they had this music. It was very Pirates of the Caribbean. It does sound a lot like a Hans Zimmer-esque soundtrack. So I'm wondering if, with the fast forward, if there are going to be any times during the season where, like, nobody goes for the fast forward. There must be. Yeah. And I mean, when does the fast forward end? Because when there are four teams, five teams left, I don't know. I mean, if every team has a chance to play it, if, let's say, you get down to the final four or five and all of them have played their fast forward, you're not going to have a fast forward to play. They'd yeah. obviously have them planned in advance, but they may not be able to give them out. So that's it for the fast forward. I'm going to interject here with a little bit of research I did last week, speaking on the topic of how the show is filmed, what the logistics are. And I know, Andrew, you had mentioned last week that the contestants must treat their camera crew and sound recordists like their children mm. in order to keep the content running for the show. So I found this a little rule. So team members must remain within 20 feet of one another, unless otherwise stated, such as roadblocks. And then they must stay near their camera and sound crew at all times as well. Any transportation they take during the entirety of The Amazing Race must also be able to accommodate their camera crew mm. unless otherwise stated. And at this time, well, first of all, there was a great little five-minute video by Variety online, if you're interested in this kind of thing, 
called Shooting the Amazing Race, Cinematography on the Run. And they talk to the head DP of the show and really, really just breaks down how the show is shot, how they manage to kind of integrate the artistic side and show the locations well. So I'd highly recommend that. But at this time, they were shooting on, I believe, their cameras called Beta SPs, so Superior Mm. Performance, which if you know the large VHS tapes, that is basically what they were recording on. But obviously it has since moved to digital. Yeah. I also read something where with the cameras, there are people like constantly running back and forth and giving them film because like obviously their film's running out and then they put them all in these boxes and like just ship them back to the US. It's like if anything happened to that, their show was over. Yeah. I mean, you know, nowadays when you do a film, you back it up onto three or four different hard drives that are, I didn't know what the professional process would be exactly, but anything less is you're backing it up onto every possible computer and hard drive you can so you don't lose anything. Chances are they're not taking the time in each country to go somewhere and have the film copied before shipping it off. Thinking about it, the show is so insanely impressive of how they film it and how they keep everything on track and how they capture everything because at the the end of the day it is a race and you can't interrupt a race if like the cameraman missed a shot or if their camera wasn't on exactly so these i mean these camera people are essentially doing a very intense job of cinematography at a rapid pace they get to a location they're seeing it for the first time because um if we didn't state this before the camera person and the sound recorders have no idea where they're going either so they're running this at the same time as the contestants And when they arrive to a location, they need to analyze the task and think what is the best way to shoot this to heighten the uh, stakes for the viewer? How do we best capture the contestant's performance? And then if it's, it's a natural location, how do you capture that? And then also a thing that you mentioned that was interesting was the they have to stay 20 feet within the people because I can imagine within the contestants. Yeah, because I can imagine a lot of times the contestants being slowed down by their camera people. If you get a camera person that's maybe not as fit as you or like can't run as fast as you, that could be a huge disadvantage, which obviously they're not going to discuss on the show. But I, you know, even in that video I watched or sorry, the video I mentioned talks about, yeah, it's intensely physical and lots of camera guys. This is the head DP speaking. Lots of camera people have come to him over the years or maybe not a lot just people come and they say look i can't do this anymore yeah so because it's intensely intensely challenging physically mentally because not only are you running but you're working like this is your job yeah i can't imagine how stressful that is too it's like your responsibility is this one team and if you mess something up that's completely on you the nice thing is though i guess if you do miss something you explain it in a voiceover and you use coverage of another team but you don't if something interesting happens it's a bummer to lose it yeah, we have the detour. It's no, no one seems to be struggling with this. Do anything else for the detour that you wanted to mention? I don't really have anything. I think now the big, um, big cut to the drama at the airport. Mm-hmm. So yes, after the detour, they go to Makuni Village and they exchange their photos for an Eiffel Tower after participating in a traditional tribal ceremony. I think it's a welcoming, a welcoming by the uh, chief. Oh, well, yes. Okay, yeah, a welcoming by the chief. So the I, one thing I like is the Amazing Race tends to do a good job with, like, highlighting the culture that they're in and respecting that, I find. Um, and I think it's impressive, and I appreciate that they're doing it, like, even from the beginning of the show. And I like, too, especially, you know, these teams are in such high-stake positions. Often they're running to get to these places. They're mm-hmm. uh, so stressed out. But I find that there's always such a sense of calmness and appreciation when there's a moment where yes. you're really trying to take in the 
culture of another country that you're in. I, I appreciate that the show gives them that time yes. to do that. Because I would I would absolutely want to be in that same position. I wouldn't want to just be kind of rushed out the door. You want to take a moment and sit. Yeah, yeah. And I think it would be so easy for the show to just not acknowledge anything really about the culture they're in and just go do the things and then leave. But I like that they do this. Here's your task, move on, go to the airport, fly away, done. But <laughs> yes, do exactly, yeah. And then also earlier... I forgot to mention this, but we have a good Kevin and Drew moment where they're talking about how they're like brothers, but yet they can't go to each other's houses because they don't take their shoes off and make a mess. I thought this was such a strange thing. It's like, yes, we're brothers, but you can't come to my house because you just don't take your shoes off and you make a mess. You see, it's funny because I know what you're referencing when you explain it, but you're explaining it without that accent, the New York (laughs) accent. that is funny. It loses half of reference. its comedic value without the accent, yeah. It does. Like, I know what you're referencing, so I can find it funny, but <laughs> you, you got to go listen to the or watch that episode. Yeah, if you missed it, go to the episode, listen to that part, it's funny. So yes, after this ceremony or welcoming, um, they receive an Eiffel Tower, referencing that they're going to Paris. So they head to the airport. Kim and, yeah, on the way to the airport, Kim and Leslie hate Paris. I don't know who it was, but they're like, I don't want to go to Paris, I hate Paris. Like, what did Paris do? I don't do? remember that. Yeah. What, what did Paris do to you, Kim and Leslie? What happened with oh, them? I do not remember that. I swear I watched the episode. <laughs> we go to the airport and we get this awesome and chaotic airport planning scene. If I will, there's kind of two streams of um, drama in this scene. Because yeah. up until now, there's kind of been the alliance between Frank and Margarita, Team Guido, and the lawyers. And they're kind of starting to drift apart. And then on the other hand... We've got, is it Paul and Amy and Kim and Leslie? Yes. Just kind of really developing a lot of tension for no apparent reason. Yes. So, the, yeah, this scene, I, it's like this is kind of the stuff that I weirdly love, is this chaotic, like, spontaneous planning where everybody's, like, stressed out of their minds. And I, th- I think this is an environment that I really love because, like, I love these stressed and panicky environments. Is it something you think you could thrive in? I think so. I in think I could do well in these environments. Yes. So we see people like bribing the employees. It's like, I'll pay you extra money. Just to preface, there's because they're trying to book a direct flight from, I, f- I forget where exactly they're flying out of, but a direct flight to Paris last minute. So there's not a lot of options. And this yeah. is where the tension is coming from. Yes. And yeah, you don't get anything like this nowadays where you have to figure out what flights you want to go. See, nowadays they would have like, an Expedia sponsorship and you just plug in the flights on the phone and then it's booked in two seconds. Or not even. There would just be, you know, a couple flight numbers listed on your info booklet. Yes. And it'd be there's three spots available on this flight, you know, three teams. Yeah. There's four spots on this flight. You wouldn't even have to worry about booking. It's the intensity is more sign about up. getting to the airport first. Yeah, again, it's just highlighting how much more travel oriented the early stage of The Amazing Race was. Exactly. So yeah, and then all, another thing that was interesting, people were trying to find places near Paris to fly to, because I guess they were having troubles. And then at one point, Paul suggested booking a flight to, to New York. I don't know if he was if this, he was being sarcastic or serious, but in the end, it did seem like everybody got a direct flight. I kind of think he was being serious with the New York thing, because I, I, I understand where he's coming from, New yeah. York, because what, three airports? There would just be so many more options yeah. to get you directly to Paris. And he's probably thinking all these people have to wait or if they have to have another layover at least we're in new york and we could get a flight quickly and there'd be tons of them yeah exactly so here we have our first 
betrayal of the season where there is a backstabbing that occurs. Uh, Pat and Brenda get backstabbed by the airport staff. <laughs> we get a heartfelt con- confessional and very dramatic where I don't know who it is, Pat or Brenda. I don't know the difference between them. But they're talking about, he told me he had seats and then he changed his mind. It's like, you promised me. You promised me. And you got to feel bad for them, though, because they have done the fast forward. So they should. Yeah. I think it's only fair that they should have a good lead. Yeah. And I think they did because it, when they were in the airport, we didn't see any other teams with them. That is true. So I don't think it really made that much of a difference, but it did make for good drama. Now to get to the real <laughs> drama. <laughs> so when Leslie is booking the flight, Amy is like standing next to her and she gestures her hand towards Amy and she says, like, she's not with me, which creates drama and is the beginning of, of our rivalry between Paul and Amy and Kim and Leslie. Yeah. It was, uh, that was quite something. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, this escalates and Paul tells Amy um, to make sure you punch her in the jaw and the nose. <laughs> so, and I'm going, is it is it really that serious? I think people's tensions are just so high. And then Amy takes it a step further and says, well, I'll push her off the cliff with no rope. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeesh. Because at the same time, obviously, as we mentioned, everyone ends up getting a direct flight to Paris. Yes. Um, but kind of once touchdown in Paris, we find out two things about the other alliance that was going on. One, we find out that Team Guido used to live in Paris. Yes. And I, I forget who or if both of them are good with French, but, you know, they're able to get around. Yeah. And two, they don't want to be in this alliance anymore. So from the moment they hit the ground in Paris, they're off. They're they're ready to go and, and they don't want to be dragging these other two teams behind them. Yeah, so this is something that I feel like I would totally do because this might sound bad, but I feel like as soon as I know that I don't need the alliance anymore and they would probably like hold me back if anything, I would just leave because I don't I don't I don't care this, about them. It's not benefiting this me. This is what anymore. I think. They thought they were going to enter a long-term alliance, you know, the three of them mm. each kind of thought, "Oh, this will benefit us through a couple episodes maybe. I don't ever think you should enter into a long-term alliance." I think short-term, meaning maybe just for the duration of a task to help each other out. Yeah. If it's allowed, that's fine. But be- if it's just that short-term alliance, you don't have this accountability to the other team if you know something's not going well for them and you don't feel as bad if you are passing them or gaining more traction than yeah. them. So I don't think you should ever say, well, let's be together in this till one of us is out. Right. Yeah, I think it's alliances are a lot more effective when they're more informal or in- impromptu, like during a task when people say like, okay, hey, let's work together. That seems to be if you do, far yeah, more if, beneficial. If you do this, we'll do this and yeah. we'll swap. The flights doesn't seem to change the order that people are in in any way. But did they still, I, sp- I feel like they still didn't tell us where people were. Again, they're they not didn't tell covering us. the rankings very well yet. Yeah, although from what I could tell, it seemed like there were two separate flights. There was the flight with, or maybe three, three, I guess, because there was the Pat and Brenda flight. And then there was the one with the Guidos, the lawyers, all that group. And then there was like the last flight, which was Nancy and Emily, Kim and Leslie and Paul and Amy. So there was a little bit of a divide, but... I will say, I noticed in this episode, Dave and Margareta got no coverage at all other than when they arrived to the mat. They were nowhere. I I was very scared for them because they were showing everybody at the Eiffel Tower and they never showed Dave and Margareta at the Eiffel Tower. So I'm like, oh my God, are they lost? Are they going to be okay? And all of a sudden they're just at the pit stop and it's like, what? How did that happen? (laughs) I think that was the only bit of coverage they got other than Songway Village. Yeah, they didn't get anything. I was very upset. You don't get a, a Margareta quote. <laughs> no Margareta. No, yes. 
I'm going to have to come up with something else. Yeah. So yeah, we have our first ever roadblock in Amazing Race history, where one person has to take the stairs to the Eiffel Tower and look for the route marker, which is a flag on top of the Arc de, Arc de, Arc de whatever. Arc de Triomphe. Arc de Triomphe. On, they're on the flag, it says monumental. Because I think on the flu, on the clue, it said, um, look for something monumental. Again, if you know one thing about The Amazing Race, you got to be very, very particular and pay very close attention to the wording. Yeah, that's there always seems to be these little things that you really need to pay attention to with the clues. So overall, what did you think of this roadblock? Again, it wasn't anything crazy or challenging, like overly challenging. I liked it. I liked that we're kind of bringing in a bit more... I mean, obviously, it was still quite a physical task to run up the, all the stairs. Yeah. But I liked it. I, you know, it would have been something I would feel comfortable doing. But I do want you to know, I would have sent you to do it. You with your 2020 vision and endurance. Better than 2020. Remember that. Better than 2020 vision. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't have needed those binocular thingies. No, not. Nope. I would just see it right away. Monumental. <laughs> let's go. So something that really annoyed me that teams were doing was the the person who was on the ground was yelling the person's name who was like going up on top of the Eiffel Tower. I don't remember who that was, but yeah, it was very consistently trying to get the other person's attention. Yeah, because how, first of all, they're not going to hear you. And if they do, how is that helping anybody? You're not helping anything. If anything, it's just going to make the person more anxious. <laughs> this person's calling my name, so I've got to do this quickly. Yeah, can you imagine if you did that and I just stood at the ground going, Andrew, Andrew. I would just, I would just literally ignore you. I would hate that so much. So yeah, Drew was doing this and Karen was doing this. I would get so mad at my partner because you're distracting me. I need to focus. You're not helping anybody. (laughs) Also, I don't think people can hear. This is just something that I don't get. Like, what are you doing that for? (laughs) I think that's when the anxiety is just getting to you and Mm -hmm. you're just so anxious and the stakes are so high. Yeah. So the most notable thing that happens here is Lenny goes down, even though he didn't complete the challenge for no reason. I think it was one of those things where he just got anxious because he didn't know what to do. So he just panicked and then went down. Which I understand. If it becomes overwhelming, you're not doing yourself any favors by just staying up there. So then he goes back down. Karen gets mad at him. Then he goes back up. And then seemingly, Kevin moved the telescope away from the arc and towards the general direction of the Louvre they went to? Or was it Notre Dame they went to? They went to Notre Dame. Yeah. So Lenny, again, doesn't know what he's looking for and sees that the telescope was pointed towards Notre Dame and is asking people what are things that are monumental. And they say Notre Dame, I guess. So he goes back down, even though he has no real confidence in this. See, that's that's something I would be pretty iffy about because I would be worried that I'm, I'm letting my partner down or yes. I should be worried that we're wasting time. Yeah, I think, I think it was the thing that he was like, teams were leaving, he was getting anxious, so he just like did something irrational. This sends Lenny and Karen into shambles and really sets them back. But I think because they were on like one of the earlier flights, that saved them from the elimination is that they got there earlier than the groups on the, the other plane. I have to bring up something about the roadblock too, and it's that you don't know what the task is until you decide who's going to do it. Yes. So even in this scenario, I would be, I would see the Eiffel Tower and I would think there's heights that I'm going to have to dangle off the side or something. I'm not doing it. So I feel like that's what can also really mess you up as a team is you, you can't anticipate the task. 
Right. They have a little prompt or something or like a little, like a question at the beginning, but it's often misleading. So I think for this one, it was who has strong legs and sharp eyes. And then they decide who is going to do the roadblock based off of that with no further information. And I mean, at this point too, you know, we've got teams kind of all over. Someone's at Notre Dame. Some people are mm-hmm. finishing up at the Eiffel Tower. But we've got, I think, Pat and Brenda long, long, long ago checked in at Arc de Triomphe. Yeah, they did. They're, they're done. Yeah. Here also, too, we have another intense rivalry scene, kind of finishing up at the Eiffel Tower, trying to get to Arc de Triomphe between uh, Kim and Leslie and Paul and Amy. Is this where the taxi is stolen or is that at the airport? Yes, yeah, this is at the airport. So I guess when the, when the last plane arrives with the group of people, there is the taxi drama with Paul and Amy and Kim and Leslie. So supposedly there's a lineup um, and Kim and Leslie just cut right in front of Paul and Amy. And one of them gets in the front seat while they're in the back seat and then convinces the driver to kick out Paul and Amy. And you know what? To that, I say respect. You know, you got to do what you got to do in the race. You're going to make some enemies. But you know what? You would be, I think you would be ruthless. I'm kind of scared, actually. I think you would be brutal. (laughs) I, I respect that they did that because it's a race. And if someone did that to me, I would say fair enough. Would you? Would you be that calm? (laughs) I don't know. So upon getting kicked out out of the cab, Amy says, quote, (laughs) not my words. She says, you're a fat. (laughs) Oh, my God, Andrew. Now, this is just good old fashioned, good, clean, fun reality TV. We love to see this. Yeah, that was intense. And then I believe, is it Paul who makes a remark about if this was in New York, (laughs) she would have, I forget how he puts it. Got dragged by her hair or something. Something like that. Yeah. I feel like though I don't know I've never been to New York from my experience living here not that also the situation with cabs and stuff is different back then you know now everybody just sits on their phone orders an uber yeah so I never had that like have you ever seen planes trains and automobiles no oh Andrew <laughs> well for anyone who knows planes trains and automobiles classic film with Steve Martin and John Candy Canadian comedy legend Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning of the film, he's trying to get home for Thanksgiving. And I think he's in New York and he needs to get to Chicago or something. And there's just this scene with him and I believe Kevin Bacon is on the opposite side of the street. And they race each other to get a cab. And it's so intense. Oh, So that's kind of, re- that was the vibes I was getting. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's always good to see some good old cab drama on The Amazing Race. And then also during this segment of the episode, I noticed... During the interviews, it seems that Kim and Leslie are like fully in makeup and they're in their clothes. So I'm not wondering, like, when are they doing these interviews? Is it after the leg or is this after the race? I don't remember where the interviews were taking place, but I assume it's probably a similar Kardashians fashion where they have them come in after and sit and talk about the events, but in yeah. real time. But do they have time to do that after each leg? I don't think so. I think, I mean, it's like after the, the show. Right. Yeah, because now a lot of the interviews are just like on the streets or in the actual scene. This was like kind of weird to see Kim and Leslie just in their normal clothes and like in makeup and their hair done and everything. Yeah, it kind of took you out of it for a second. So Amy is having a breakdown in their cab and Paul threatens to quit <laughs> again. Kim and Leslie miss the root marker and they go up the Eiffel Tower themselves. This is not the first time that they miss a root marker. There's a scene of them trying to communicate with someone and she's, uh, what is like blanc and yellow. Yes, yeah. They're, yeah, they're, you, like, they're trying to talk to the, the, the French locals. To ask them to look for a yellow and, and white yeah. sign. Or so like, say yellow y blanca was what it was. It was like, <laughs> this is humiliating. To be fair, I can't speak French. You can't no. speak French. I feel like we would be doing similar things. Yeah, just panicking and saying yellowy blanca. 
But anyway, this seems to be their downfall. This episode is that they miss root markers. Then everybody else completes the roadblock. Was there anything else with the roadblock of note? I don't think so, because like I said, at this point, teams are kind of checking in as well. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you've are you got this tension of basically who's going to come in last now, because you already know X amount of teams are safe. So obviously, Pat and Brenda are in first place. Then we have Team Guido in second, Brennan and Robin third, Frank and Margarita in fourth, Kevin and Drew in fifth, and then David and Margarita in sixth, who, again, we didn't see at all this episode, who I was no, concerned about. They, because they, I was concerned for you. Yeah, it's like, what am I supposed to talk about now that I, I that they're not in the episode? You don't have any of Margareta's amazing phrases. I know. So, yes, it kind of it comes down to for who's going to be eliminated is Paul and Amy, Nancy and Emily, and then Lenny and Karen and Kim and Leslie. We're all kind of at the bottom and in the same kind of group. And to recap, there was Lenny and Karen went to Notre Dame. By accident, yes. so they're behind it. Kim and Leslie couldn't find the root marker at the Eiffel Tower, so they're behind with that. Anything significantly dragging the other two couples behind? Not really. I think they were just on the the later flight. I think it was actually mostly between Lenny and Karen and Kim and Leslie. As Kim and Leslie are pulling up to the pit stop, they seem to get scammed by their taxi driver. Like, he's not giving them their change back or something. He calls the police over, doesn't he? Does he? I thought he goes for the authorities. I couldn't quite understand the situation. Yeah, they they didn't do a very good job of telling us what exactly was going on. Which I, I, do, I don't blame them, though, because I feel like he also didn't, the cab driver didn't want to be filmed, so that's fair. Yeah, so Kim and Leslie struggle to find where they need to go again. So they, they like, head for a tunnel, and then they say that's the stupid tunnel for stupid people, which I think were, like, public bathrooms. <laughs> Something I have to note, though, about all these teams getting to Arc de Triomphe yeah. is in a very North American fashion there's the roundabout and they all just run right across it like Mm. no crosswalks no regard for the cars honking at them and stopping they just go i mean i would do that too like it's a race what's the fastest path possible i'm not looking to be a good citizen in this at this time kim and leslie also go up the arc instead of going to the mat but they finish kim and um, leslie finished in last place they're out of here they're done yeah sadly lenny and karen came Second last, right? Second last, yeah. So it was Paul and Amy in seventh, Nancy and Emily in eighth, Lenny and Karen nearly avoided elimination in ninth, and Kim and Leslie were eliminated in the last. I I have to talk about there's this shot when uh, Kim and Leslie are approaching the mat. Oh, it's an over the shoulder shot of Phil and his trench coat. It's just (laughs) so looming. It's just so, so uh, doom impending, kind of. But it's just an over the shoulder shot of Kim and Leslie over Phil's shoulder in his black trench coat. I just thought it was You so can't get funny. enough of this trench coat. It's just so ominous. Wow, again, I did not notice this trench coat. I'm not as focused on the fashion, apparently. I'm not, a, and I don't focus on fashion either, but I don't know, <laughs> it's just so, the trench coat is so mood-evoking, you know? It really sets the tone of these eliminations. I'm kind of upset to lose Kim and Leslie because they did bring some drama. And they were entertaining. However, I don't think they were cut out for this. They seem to be a little bit directionally challenged. Which on The Amazing Race is difficult. What are your final thoughts on Kim and Leslie? I think they just jumped the gun a lot on these directional things. You know, I mean, they got to the Apple Tower and I mean, they yeah. weren't wrong by going up it. They're just going, they're just overthinking it, going way too right. far ahead. I mean, the arc, they, their first thing is to go up the thing. Up. They're just kind of, <laughs> yeah. they're just jumping, jumping the gun. And I think that's something too with The Amazing Race is you never know, like, should you just assume to go yeah. up 
something or go into something or should often often you don't i feel like often the clue will tell you if you need to but i mean it's hard to tell yeah you, yeah, yeah. Tell. you don't know and again there's no precedent for it so like how are they supposed to know like nobody's ever done exactly the amazing race we're, we're looking at this with years of experience yeah some notable changes in placement um from last episode to this episode pat and brenda went from fifth to first obviously so good for them that's your team good for them yeah and Kim and Leslie did relatively well last, like in sixth place, and now they're in ninth. But other than that, the teams pretty much stayed in their same ranking. I'm kind of seeing a definite divide, mm. you know, kind of that I think could consistently carry out, which I don't, I don't know how often, I guess that happens pretty often. You know, I feel you like it does. Right from, which is kind of interesting, though, because by episode three, I feel like it'll be very solid who's going to be able to maintain their, yeah. their top positions and who's going to really be the ones fighting to stay in. Yeah, it feels like most seasons of The Amazing Race, there's always the same few teams at the top and then always the same few teams nearly avoiding elimination. But I'm interested to see if things will change because every now and then you'll have like the team that's the front runner have a really bad leg and then end up in last place on like the, the fourth episode and be out. Which is always a shock, but you never know. Where where are we headed next week with them anyway? Okay, next week, they seem to stay in Paris. Mm. It didn't seem like they went anywhere. I don't remember what they where they said they were going. I don't think they said, but from what we saw, it's, it kind of seemed like they were just staying in Paris. And then something of note from like the next week segment was that Nancy goes, I think somebody didn't make the train. And then they cut to Dave and Margareta, inferring that oh, they know. missed the train I... and then that was their undoing. Oh, and no, I, Andrew. that's not my truth. I choose to believe that that's not happening. <laughs> and I choose to believe that they wouldn't do that. They're just trying to throw us off. You think? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll find out. We will find out next week. Uh, Any closing thoughts here? Uh, Um, Season one, episode two. Not much. Similar to what I said at the beginning, I appreciated bringing in more of the intellectual tasks into this. I thought it made it a little bit more... It raised the stakes a little bit more. So I'm interested, especially if they're staying in the same area. Yeah. I mean, Paris is... It's not... Obviously, it's a European city. It's not built on a grid system, so it is hard to get around. Yeah. But maybe the next episode will be even less directionally focused, and we might even see a really um, debilitating detour with two very good, evenly weighted options. That would be what I'd Hopefully. like to see. Yeah, because we have not seen that at all. How about you? What did you think of this week? This week, I like. I think it was a big step step up from episode one. We had a lot more drama. The challenges, I think, were a little bit more interesting yeah there was a lot more conflict with the whole lenny and karen situation i loved the whole airport planning scene that was everything to me i thought it was a great episode i was quite entertained so yeah i guess that is it for us then if you have anything i don't have anything to add other than um if you are interested in contacting us yes or asking us to do some research on a certain rule or maybe certain way something in the amazing race plays out we do have an email which has it been put in the description box yet or we're still waiting on that if you want to type something up right now amazing race rewind at gmail.com yeah uh we'd be happy to answer your questions and concerns about the amazing race about the podcast in general just or if you have any me. any behind the scenes info that we don't know about, because again, this is our first time watching it. We don't really know everything. We'd love to hear some more behind to, the scenes info. Yeah, we are open to all suggestions. Yes. Okay, so that is it for us. We will see you next week with episode three. Season one, episode three. Season Stay one, tuned. episode three. Okay, bye. Bye.